Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome to episode three of VAR at the Bar. I'm Dan, and I am with... Chris. Oh, man. I'm going to get right into it. Top 10 footballers of all time. Okay. So, first of all, guys, how have you found it? Hard. (laughs) Well, mate, I'm not going to lie to you. I must have wrote down about 30 names to start off with. I actually had my 10 last night, and then I've taken two out and replaced them with another two. And I'm sure I'll probably just blag it now with another one that I'll just change, but you guys are not say quite controversial. Is this the only thing we're actually going to be talking about? Because <laughs> this could be a long segment. The thing that I found hardest about it was we're all mid-30s and half these players retired by the time yeah. I even started watching football. Exactly. So exactly. This is what I found with mine. It's sort of like um, the majority of mine are the ones that I remember in my lifespan. And then I looked at a couple of other people that I, that obviously I knew before, but some of the names that came up as well, I've never even heard of myself. And I've taken the the, the way of looking at it on on my own view and not not yeah. just on the stats. It's all you can do, mate. It's all you can do. Yeah. No, it wouldn't it wouldn't be right if you put your list together and it was because you'd seen someone else give it a good rating on another piece of paper. You've got to go with your own view. Yeah, exactly. Hard that I couldn't find footage on a lot of players that are highly rated. So it wouldn't feel right for me to put them on my list when I've not seen anything that really backs it up. Exactly. And you've got to make sure you've got a a good argument for it. You just don't put it there just to be controversial or be different and just go, oh, I'll have him instead of him then. You know, you've got to have some sort of reason why they're there. Exactly. Yeah, the, the gravity of it's weighed on me, uh, naming the greatest players of all time. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a tough week. <laughs> tough week, tough times. <laughs> We're going to start off at number 10. So I'm going to go to Ant first. Who's your number oh, 10? Oh <laughs> okay, uh, my number 10. Um, he is a player that I had heard of and I had seen a little bit about. He's quite an old player. Um, he's Ferenc Puskas. Who yep. actually was an award named after him. Oh, indeed. And whilst doing my research, I found that he scored 700 goals in 705 appearances. Yeah. Wow. Which is not to be sniffed at. What was his nationality, mate? Was he Hungarian? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned all those goals he scored. It would have been even more if um, his career wasn't interrupted by the Second World War. Absolutely prolific player. And then he also, um, towards the back end of his career, he competed for Real Madrid. In that famous team that won the three European Cups. He scored yeah. a hat-trick in the European Cup final. He's formed a prolific partnership with Di Stefano at Real Madrid. He's an absolute legend of the game. He really is. That's your number 10, Anne. You, you hope that your ones above that are better. 
Well, I've, I've got to admit, I've, I've left Puskas out of my top 10 um, purely because I couldn't find enough footage on him, which again, it's because of that ge different generation, different era. Uh, but um, I know all about him. He's an absolute legend of the game, no doubt. So that's a fair shout. Fair play. Fair play. That's a very good one, mate. Okay, Chris, who's your number okay, 10? Okay, here we go. Number 10, Zatan Ibrahimovic. Okay. Um, he obviously internationally, he, I think he's obviously carried them a lot. Um, his club records are fantastic. Looking at his stats, he's sort of 0.72 goals a game. Um, wow. And I just, I, I think he, he was, he's been fantastic for the game in a way. His bravado he puts on and his famous sayings that he says, um, there's one that he said to Pep Guardiola saying, you bought a Ferrari, but you drive it like a Fiat. Um, just things like that, that he has the audacity to say. Um, and and I just, I'll, I'll just put him up there because every, every team he's, he's played for, he's performed well. A lot of people said he moved to the Premier League and people just said he's just going to take the money, but I thought he did very well at Man U. And then he unfortunately got a, a bad ligament injury which obviously then sent him to LA Galaxy. And then he's actually then come back to Milan this year and he's still been banging in the goals. I think he scored something like two or three goals in, in, in eight games. And for someone that's sort of 36, 37, the highest level, I still think that's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a winner, isn't he? Everywhere he's gone, he's won. Born winner. As well, and that's what you that's what you want with the best, isn't it? You, you, you know, they're not happy to come second best. That's why with him, he, when he was at Barcelona, he didn't want to be second best to Messi, and obviously there was that issue. So he just moved on, and then he let let the football do the talking at PSG and scored over one a game, and um, lots of special goals, special special goals. I remember, I remember one if I'm right against England, or he might have even been a, in a friendly, friendly game. He scored a, a bicycle kick from that's the one. five yards out. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. But I remember something a game. I think it was it was in a tournament against Italy where he was running away from goal, and he managed to jump in the air and back heel it in the air, and it lobbed the goalkeeper went just under the crossbar. When he's back heeled it, running away from goal, just incredible. I've never even imagined a goal like that. And then yeah, Zlatan delivers. Exactly, and he, he obviously talked a big game and he every time he, he did deliver and that's what, that's what you need, isn't it, with a player and especially if you're looking at the best 10. I know that he, he was one that I must admit I put in today, but that's, a per, like I said, a personal choice. Um, but yeah, that's my number 10. Michelle. Okay, so my number 10, I've, uh, I've gone back a few years. My number 10 is... Mane Garincha. Was he the one with the uh, one leg longer than the other? <laughs> yeah, he was a, a winger and it was very unorthodox. He absolutely bamboozled defenders. He had explosive acceleration. He could uh, shift his balance very quickly and just suddenly change direction when he was running. He's considered by many to be the, one of the best dribblers of all time. Um, from the footage I've seen of him, he was a very special player. Uh, what's also impressive about him he won the World Cup with, with Pele in the Brazil team of 58. But in the 1962 World Cup, Pele was injured in one of the first round games. Garincha pretty much carried that Brazil team 
to win the tournament. Like Maradona did in 86, that's what Garincha did for Brazil in 62. He won the golden boot, golden ball for the best player. He was absolutely unstoppable in that tournament. His, uh, his playing style, again, like I say, it was very unorthodox. It was just uh, what came naturally to him because he, he had his uh, legs, one leg longer than the other. He was also very um, sort of simple. He's not very intelligent. And he actually had a big problem with alcoholism as well. But when he got on the football pitch, it just came naturally to him. Uh, things that we, you wouldn't necessarily see. Defenders couldn't read him. But he was very, very unique and absolutely a special player. He encapsulated or embodied the spirit of the game in Brazil. And to this day, in the Maracana, the home dressing room is named after Manny Garincha. The away dressing room is named after Pelé. So He's a name I've player. heard of, and I'm, I know of his uh, leg situation. I'll be honest, I don't know <laughs> much about I've never seen that much footage of him. But From what I've seen... He sounds like a decent player. Yeah, he's a, he's a great dribbler, that's for sure. Great dribbler. Yeah, oh, he's strong, strong number ten there, mate. Yeah, well, I, I backed it up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan. It was, it was a great dribbler. All right, on to number nine, Ant. Troy Deeney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope you're not being serious. No, I'm not. I, I could try and back it up, but I'm going to call it myself. I've gone for Puskas's partner at Real Madrid. The blonde arrow, Alfredo De Stefano, who was about as rapid as he was and scored about almost as many goals as he was. And the, between the pair of them, they helped Real Madrid become you know, the powerhouse that we know they are. Yeah. And he also scored in five consecutive European Cup finals. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. I know in, in Real Madrid, he's widely considered to be the best footballer that ever played the game. That, that's in Madrid, though, as one of their own. So that's how highly he's regarded. His goal-scoring record is unbelievable. And, um, and he, he somehow yeah. managed to play three countries. I don't know how he managed it. I'm not <laughs> into it. Yeah, it's true. He, um, when he played for Spain, he only played four games for them, but three of them were actually in a World Cup. So. What? <laughs> yeah, it was Argentina, uh, Colombia and Spain. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's all right, Chris. My next date, I think you would have heard of. I know. I'm, I'm going, I'm thinking, well done with your research there, man. Very impressed with both of your research. Yeah, but you, I know yeah, that, I'm, um, I'm, I've not been furloughed, so I'm just sitting at home bored, <laughs> <laughs> pretending to do work. I know that um, Dan knows a lot about uh, footballing knowledges, knowledge through the years, but I've been quite impressed with you. Uh, and there's me saying uh, Zatan for my first one. Yeah, guy still playing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this, my number nine, that's moving swiftly on. My number nine is um, Capu. He just capsulates for me the, the role of a, ring, a wing back. He can defend, he's very attacking as well. Um, and he was always just very consistent. I just remember watching him in the World, in the world Cups. He's, he's just, um, he just does everything, every game, but like I say, very consistent. He had 142 caps over 16 years, and he had over uh, nearly 300 appearances altogether in Syria for uh, Roma and the Milan team. That was very successful in the sort of 2003 to 2007 era. Um, and overall, I just think he's a, a cracking, cracking defender. 
with with just an abundance of energy all the while, um, and must be very hard to play against because he, he used to man mark very well as well. Yeah, he's a very, very good player. He um, had incredible stamina. He used to sprint up and down that wing all game, every game that I saw him. Never and gave up. I remember thinking he's the fittest 38-year-old wing-back I've ever seen in my life. I can't think of too many better right-backs or wing-back, right wing-backs. No. Great. I know he, he was very fond of um, John Flanagan, wasn't he? <laughs> and that, the season that Flanagan was good for Liverpool, we called him the uh, Scouse Capo. <laughs> I just the only thing I'm not being bad but the only thing I remember of John Flanagan is when um, just diverting slightly is the match against Man City where just uh, what he did to Sterling about oh, 30 yeah. seconds into the game yeah remember welcome back to uh, Anfield clatter <laughs> I can't believe we mentioned John Flanagan in the list of the <laughs> football players uh, this, this feels right. Maybe put him in, in my number nines. Uh, the whole of football history, you related him to John John Flanagan. Thanks. For oh, Catherine came out and said that he him. <laughs> oh, I've only had five names so far. I'm already Troy Deeney and John Flanagan have come up. <laughs> He's not going as planned. <laughs> Go on, then, right. Go on then, number nine. My number nine. I've gone for Michael Loudrup. Oh, good shout. I'm a big fan of Laudrup. Uh, for me, he's the best passer of a ball that I've ever seen, ever seen in the game. His vision for passing was just unparalleled. If you watch a compilation on YouTube, all the strikers he played with, they learned you just make runs, just run, and Laudrup will find a way to get you the ball. It doesn't matter who's closing him down, from what angle, he'll evade the defenders and he'll offload the ball somehow, and he'll set up a scoring opportunity. He did it time and time again. He's an absolutely incredible playmaker. Uh, another fact about him that I'm, I really have admiration for, something that no one else has achieved, he played in a Barcelona team that beat Real Madrid 5-0. And then the next season, he transferred from Barcelona to Real Madrid. And Real Madrid beat Barcelona 5-0. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's a good that's start, that influence that Laudrup has on a football team. Absolutely incredible player. If um, if he had a bit more drive to be the best player in the world, he could have been higher up that list. He could have been considered one of the very greatest. So I've, I've looked at uh, obviously a lot of lists over the last few days trying to get inspiration for this list. And actually, I, I didn't see Brian Laudrup on there. That's not said a bad choice, Hans. Michael Laudrup, sorry. Brian's brother, yeah. No, no, you, no I, I, I've looked at a lot of lists as well, and you're right. Um, Loudrup was sort of the top um, top 50 sort of region and most uh, lists that I come across. It's all based on opinion, yours, yeah, mine. Absolutely. It's all good stuff. All right, so now we're on to number eight, Hans. I've gone for the, um, the legendary German that is Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah. who invented the modern sweeper, if you like, and won countless trophies at wherever he's played, be it Munich or um, obviously with Germany as well. So, you know, for me, he, growing up, I just remember him being one of the best defenders that I remember watching. Obviously, yeah. I know he's had a bit of trouble with money laundering in recent years, but <laughs> we'll skip over that. 
It's a good shout, Ant. And to be honest, I've put him as number four on my okay. list. Okay. Yeah. He's a. He was a very, very classy player. He was a complete player. He did it all. Um, in terms of defending, he wasn't the best pure defender that's ever played the game. But in terms of being a general on the pitch, leading a team, distribution of the ball, long-range shooting, he scored a lot of goals. And like you say, modifying the sweeper role to something that was quite unique, where he'd lead the attacks from being the deepest defender. It's something you see more in the modern game now. Yeah. He was the one that pioneered that. Um, you mentioned his record as well. He uh, he won two Ballon d'Ors, but he finished in the top five of the Ballon d'Or nominations on ten occasions. That's incredible stuff, that is. That's incredible. Wasn't he also the first captain to win the European Cup three times in a row or something like that? Like you said, though, it's it's the game. Obviously, the game is so simple if you're that good at reading the ball and what people are going to do. And he just did that, didn't he? He just made it look so easy and then yeah. just distributed the ball with a plum as well every time. Very intelligent player. Did he win? Am I right in saying, did he uh, win it as a manager with World Cup as well? Win the World Cup as a player and as a manager. Yeah. 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 1990. The defensive World Cup, as they always call that, don't they? Well, you could do passbacks back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was after that World Cup they got rid of the passbacks. <laughs> Probably bored of it, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then it's me. Number eight, I am going for Mr. Ronaldo, as in um, Brazilian Ronaldo, or brackets, fat Ronaldo, whatever people want to call him. (laughs) Obviously, his career has just just got um, successful written all over it, really, hasn't it? You know, PSV as an 18 year old. Averaged over one one goal a game there. Got his big move to Barcelona from that. Absolutely set the world alight with there as well. Um, then went to Inter Milan. And I think on one of his first few games he had there, he got injured, unfortunately, which I think many could agree would have, for a lot of players, lost a bit of pace or just the iron in front of the goal but it seemed to not not really stop him too much because then he went to Real Madrid and then he was obviously part of the Galacticos that era um, again his, his records all, all the way through are uh, internationally 98 appearances 62 goals so that's 0.63 to every goal and um, at Real Inter and Barcelona, it was 0.72 to every goal, which is fantastic record, really. And just from those stats itself, I think it speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant player. Uh, just another a... one I've got on my list, a bit higher up, <laughs> number six. Yeah, oh, really, was it? <laughs> fantastic yeah. finisher as well, obviously. Well, like you said, he um, he suffered a serious knee injury when he was at Inter in 1999. And it's testament to his finishing ability that he was able to continue his career and play as a more orthodox centre-forward. And that was because he could finish so well. He was deadly in front of goal. The reason why I've put him high on my list is because uh, when he was at uh, PSV, Barcelona and Inter Milan, his skills for his step-overs and his lollipops he did them at such ferocious speed. It was just something I've, I've not seen before. 
to do those skills at that speed was incredible. And also he was so powerful as well. He was had defenders bouncing off him and he still kept control of the ball. He was just an unstoppable centre forward. He had no, all... Nothing that defenders really knew back in the day, wasn't it? When he first came onto the scene, they didn't know anyone that was fast and strong. It was either one or the other. And, and fantastic skill set. And then, to be honest as well, when he had that injury at Inter, a lot of people wrote him off as well. I remember yeah. when, I, when I used to watch... Um, Italian football and they were saying that oh he's not going to come back the same player and I think that just revved him up even more to be probably an even better player than he was when he first joined there to be honest uh, I wouldn't say a better player but um, you're right he, he won a Ballon d'Or after that injury so it's, it's an incredible comeback story but I think if it wasn't for that injury he would have continued his career on a path where he could have ended up being one of the greatest that's ever played the game his natural talent was just absolutely through the roof. Yeah, Incredible I was going to say in terms of, like, let's say if it weren't for that injury, that his natural talent and ability, it'd probably be pushing one of the best players over grace the game. Yeah, for that period of time. That you know, based on him at his peak pre-injury, yeah. he was without doubt the best player on the planet. Hundred percent agree, without a doubt. Incredible player. So such a shame in a way. Yeah, but it's good that we get to give him these props on this list because uh, he deserves recognition for being one of the best. Well, well, at least all three of us picked him as well, so it obviously shows three differing views, and we all put him. Obviously, I know I put him quite low, but you guys. Well, we don't know what's what's to come yet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ella's due for the good World Cup. He might be in your top ten for all we know. Oh, you're just giving that away, Anne. Oh, sorry, mate. Should have texted you last night. <laughs> Right, my number eight, I've gone for Paolo Maldini. He played in a variety of positions. He started off as a right-back, played most of his career as a centre-back or a left-back or a left wing-back. He was a very, very solid defender. And then when he played on the left side, he was also very good at getting forward. He had a, a very long career and he was considered one of the top defenders in the world for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. My number seven, 600 appearances for AC Milan and 126 caps for Italy. Very impressive. He didn't make my top ten. Yeah, Did you consider him, man? Yeah, he was on the list, the, the, the 100-page list I had of <laughs> players. I do know one interesting stat about Paolo Maldini, though. Go on. That he is the holder of the quickest Champions League final goal. Who was that yeah. against? Liverpool. <laughs> oh, which game was that again? I can't see. Uh, I don't remember. know. I don't know. Fifty seconds, which is actually quite a long time, really. If you think about it. All right, move on to number seven then, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. And I know you're going to tell me he's higher on your list. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even in Dan's list. <laughs> okay, that's fine. No, I'm um, thinking, and I've got it as number seven as well. Okay, well, oh, you can do a dual. I, I was going to get a bit of backlash for this. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. He's a top player. Go on, Ant. Don't worry. He is an absolutely phenomenal player. He's scored goals in every league he's played in. He's won um, the Euros with Portugal and all that. For me, I just I feel he's not a team player. That's why I put him so low down. 
I think he makes every game about him rather than the team, which is especially evident when Bale went to Real Madrid and perhaps stole a bit of the limelight. But in terms of, I mean, good... that's always an interesting debate with Cristiano Ronaldo, and I think yeah. there's quite a lot of um, maybe proof that shows that to an extent. However, obviously, with his stats, I've actually put him at number two. It's because he's he's played a La Liga, absolutely dominated, and the Prem. And then he, at the late, you know, at an old age, he's actually then decided to move over then to another country. I know maybe for tax reasons, we don't know. Um, to then, uh, to then obviously play for Juventus, and he's still banging the goals. I mean, people say that he has a, a bad season if he scores twenty five goals, and that's just ridiculous from somebody who started off as a winger, who actually scored was it thirty goals from from that position with Man United. Yeah, was it that? Something like that. That's stupid. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you look at his Real Madrid career and he had 438 go- games and he scored 450 goals. I mean, that is just astonishing. That is astonishing. You know, to continue right. that for, for the length of career. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I've, when he was in the Premier League, I couldn't stand him. When he's in this... <laughs> When he's in the league, standing, but you sometimes just have to pop your cap and go, fair enough, the stats say it all. And I do agree with what Ant says, that I do think there is a, a bit of that it's all about him. But I guess if he still performs at that level, it's sort of like, well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that was one of the reasons. The other reason that I just looked at the other players I still had to list and thought, He's coming at number seven for me. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, that's my back word to say about him. Uh, I thought it was number seven on my list. His um, his footwork and skill is so quick and so well controlled. It's just incredible talent. Uh, his free kicks, unbelievable again. I remember his goal for Man United against Portsmouth where the ball yeah. wobbled in the air and it's just unstoppable. I just remember seeing James, David James's face with that because I think he thought he was going well over and then he just dipped down, didn't it? It just... Yeah. Uh, he's won five Ballon d'Ors. Well-deserved. He has been the best player in the world on five occasions, without a doubt. And then, like you say, he's done it for such a long period of time and he's still doing it, scoring an incredible amount of goals. He was actually a bit of a late bloomer, really. When did he really hit his peak at United? He was about 25? Uh, it took a couple of seasons, didn't it? There, there's a lot of ple- he had a bit of um, a bit of a petulance spell, didn't he? Where he was going down a lot, and I think fans were getting on his back a bit as well. Um, where he's always trying to win free kicks, and maybe that in that time that was the continental way of doing things. He, but then he seemed to toughen up a little bit. Exactly, and, he toughened up. He was a little bit lightweight, wasn't he? And he got yeah. up Premier League. But he toughened up. That probably shows now why he's so good in shape, you know, well-shaped, you know. Yeah. Well, where it all comes from, it's his drive to be the best. He's so determined to be the best player in the world and to be considered better than Messi. It's, it's pretty uh, transparent, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I love about him. He just really wants to be the best. Just so competitive to the max, isn't it? He needs to be number one, like Ant said. Bale comes onto the scene for Real Madrid, kicks him to the curb, more or less, doesn't he? You know... Benzema sort of knew his place there. 
any new people, any new strong Bale was probably perhaps the only sort of Galactico after him to go into Real Madrid. And Ronaldo Sonnell might not be the big man here. We've got this Gareth Bale fella. I think we can all agree Ronaldo is probably better than Bale. But... Well, my number seven was Maldini, so <laughs> we've already spoke about him. So Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, and my number seven was Ronaldo as well. So we're oh, on to number okay. six now, eh? Oh, back to me again. I feel like I'm doing all good. <laughs> Zidane. He's just, he had it all, didn't he? Passing, shooting, great captain, won multiple titles at Madrid, won the World Cup with France. He was just a phenomenal player to watch. And some of the stuff he did, just, I don't know how he did it. Some of the skill. He was just an absolute joy to watch. It was just a shame he was French. Got <laughs> Zidane on my list as well. He's uh, number five on my list. Uh, just want to echo everything you said there, Ant. Absolutely amazing talent. Such an probably probably the most elegant player I've ever seen. His uh, control and mastery over a football is something I've not seen matched. He um, he just had this knack of creating space for himself and being very fluid with his movements and moving the ball to manipulate the defender and give himself that space. Such a such a talent, unbelievable player. And some of his goals he scored, you just think, how the hell have you got that in from there <laughs> with that foot at that angle? How how has that gone in the net? Just... Yeah, I mean he's my number five as well. Um, obviously, he showed at Juventus on Real what a class act he was. And obviously a World Cup winner and Euro winner with with France. And like you said, I totally agree with what you say. Somehow he found space where it was impossible to find space. There's hardly any back passing, any negative passing that he had on the ball. He can either take on your player, he can just do whatever he wanted to. He's like a little magician, wasn't he? Absolutely. I think there was a game against um, England, wasn't it, where he single-handedly sort of turned it around, wasn't it, in the... Um, was it in the Euros? Um, Gerard Pardon? Was that the Gerard Passback one? Um, yeah, where France scored two late goals, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I think Henri, yeah. But, but he's sort of like, he, he just sort of, he's got that leadership quality, hasn't he? That, you know, that every team needed needs. And he's just a fantastic player. There's nothing more really I can really add or be negative with from what you guys have said, to be honest. Apart from the odd head, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What a way to go out, eh? <laughs> Could have been worse, mate. Could have been a 6-1 drubbing at Stoke like someone had. <laughs> yeah. Again, I remember that. <clears throat> So we're on number six, aren't we? That was six. Yeah. We've got six yeah. for us. I have got Lionel Messi. And it's, all, it's quite funny because of what Ant's reasons for Cristiano is sort of what I've used a bit on Messi. Fantastic club career he's had. He's done everything. But with Argentina, it just didn't seem doesn't seem to work out for him. He's never... He's never won the big one, has he? At, at well, you know, the big World Cup. No. And I just find that as good as a player he is, I just, and the stats will, will show he's uh, Argentine, his Argentina caps, 138, 70 goals. Barcelona, 
at this moment in time is uh, played 474 times, scored an incredible 438. I mean, nearly every game he scores, basically. It's just ridiculous. But the reason I'm not putting him in my top five is this major gap with the World Cup. I know that, obviously, a lot of people in Argentina put so much pressure on him with that, and he can't, obviously, all deal with it on his own. But I just think that, that on mine, I had Zidane at number five, that he's, because of, obviously, that win, I just think that there's five more better players that I've picked that are better than him. I mean, I don't know about you guys, whether he's on there or... I've, I have him at number four. Um, and I do agree it. with what you're saying about the whole national argument. Yeah, I've yeah. got him at number three. I, I agree with you as well. Um, Argentina, they've not won a Copa America since 1993. That's, uh, that's how oh, wow. big of a chasm there is in their lack of success. And on um, Messi at World Cups, he's played 19 games at World Cups and he scored six goals. That's failing to deliver on the big stage. May, may, you know, sometimes you just get a player who, no matter who he is, like, like in club football, you, play, you know, the, the best player in the world, you go into a team, say like Manchester United, and it just doesn't work. Maybe with Messi on an international stage, whoever he's playing with, it, and it's probably the same, most of the same players over, what, 10 years or whatever. Maybe it just doesn't click. Maybe the tactics or whatever don't work. And that's why it's such a success at Barcelona, because it just clicks. That's all he knows, Barcelona. It's been, uh, it's been 15 years now. He's been playing international football, and we're talking. We're talking about a list of the greatest players of all time. You're telling me that he can't play in an Argentina team and have some success over a 15-year period. You could argue the same about Gerard Lampard, Shearer. Yeah, absolutely, you can. <laughs> so, you know, it just doesn't always work, does it? It doesn't. It's... But, um, I think that's. Uh, I think we're definitely entitled to call Messi out on that. I mentioned that Copper America list. Um, Colombia and Chile have won Copper Americas in that time. Chile have won it twice. Uh, Argentina, they, they had the opportunities and they've choked. They've not delivered. I mean, obviously on a positive element, you know, he's a great finisher. He's pacey. He's incredibly strong for his size. He takes on players. He can just do basically everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. For some reason, there seems to be this sort of mindset I guess I get I guess for the whole country of Argentina since they've you know on why they, they can't win a title but like like you say going to this Argentina argument you've got Aguero who's exactly in the same boat as well with those two up front you just think well something's got to got to go well and with Di Maria behind them you've got three class players and yet they still can't seem to get, get over the line. It's, it's an interesting argument, which we could probably talk about for a while. Another podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I just want to be, uh, I want to be fair to Messi. He's um, an incredible talent. His, uh, his, his balance on a, uh, with a football at his feet is probably the best I've ever seen. Uh, he takes on defenders. He fools them, consistently delivers and scores an enormous amount of goals every season, six Ballon d'Ors. He is one of the best players that's ever played the game and he deserves to be in this conversation. Incredible talent. Well, that was my number six anyway. So, Dan? 
Right, so my number six, I had um, the Brazilian Ronaldo. So I think we're going around number five now. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I had uh, R9 as my number five. So over to you, Chris. I had Zidane as my number five. Dan? And, <laughs> <laughs> and I've got Zidane as my number five. Way! <laughs> Someone agrees with me. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen, but um, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so number four then, Ants? Uh, I'm Messi. Okay. Chris, at number four? It's Johan Cruyff, number okay. four. We've not talked about. <laughs> I've got to say, he's just an absolute quality player. You were saying about Zidane with the way he was on the ball, like a magician. I mean, to have an actual football move named after someone, you know, the, the Cruyff town, it sort of says what sort of status this man should be on. I know you should you should be saying now I'm calling him for him to be number number one, but I do feel that he can't really be because he never won the World Cup. And I know obviously it's another ten men on the pitch, but it's always something that I find is quite amazing that someone that skillful could not sort of help his team to just over that line. I know they got to a final, he came runners up couple of times but it just never got over and back to the Messi argument here aren't we exactly I mean you know he, he he had this style of playing didn't he he wanted to he wanted it to be for the fans as well it came into his managerial career as well with Ajax in 1995 I think when they won the the Champions League when he was manager I mean you know he, he wants to entertain people and he certainly did that when he was at Ajax as a player. And to be honest, there's nothing more you can really fault him. I mean, has any of you two tried a Cruyff turn in a match before? Or? I probably have. I probably uh, pulled some kind of funky muscle. <laughs> I didn't know I had. <laughs> yeah, not, not recently. <laughs> no, but I mean, just to, to be named after an actual football thing is a technique is shows just what sort of the guy he was and I think he's so humble as well with what he did and I just I mean is he in your guys top 10 or he is um my my top three I can't really separate and he's part of that top three for different reasons Fair play. which is why I was kind of holding back on my argument no no that's fine <laughs> what about you Dan I'll be honest he's he's not in my top 10 now the the only I know that's controversial. I know <laughs> you talk to his opinion. <laughs> no, no, but when I when I made my top ten, I felt this was the most controversial thing about leaving <laughs> out. And the only reason is that I couldn't find any footage, which really made me give give me that wow factor and made me uh, get on the edge of my seat. Uh, I know he did the Cruyff turn, but it, in terms of um, technicality, I don't think it's the most difficult piece of skill I've ever seen compared to the likes of uh, Ronaldo or someone I haven't mentioned yet, Ronaldinho, um, different level of uh, difficulty with those manoeuvres. That's the only reason I left him off, is because I couldn't find anything visually to back it up. It was, it was a great player, though. He's won four Ballon d'Ors. They say he's had that manoeuvre named after him because it had such an impact on the people that viewed it at the time. And you mentioned his managerial career as well. Um, Cruyff's also widely considered to have invented total football. Yeah which has been very influential, especially in the uh, late 80s and 90s. He was the manager of the, uh, the Barcelona Dream Team when they uh, were the best team in Europe. Dan, you're singing the thunder, eh? 
Sorry. Only one year. Um, I mean, it, he, he showed it the, the perfect way, wasn't it? The right style to play. And obviously, it was definitely entertaining, you know, and it, it's proven, you know, with his managerial wins in both Ajax and Barcelona and in his playing careers with those two teams as well. Um, and that's why I put him at number four, to be honest. Yep, it's a great pick. He's on a lot. He's very high up on a lot of lists that I've seen as well. All right, I went for Franz Beckenbauer, who we, we've spoken about. Number three, Ant. Well, like I said, <laughs> my top three, I, I can't, I can't pick a, a winner out of them. I'm afraid I'm going to sit on the fence on it. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about them all, aren't we? So. My my top three in no particular order was Maradona, Pele, and Johan Cruyff. And in terms of footballing ability, Pele is without doubt one of the best players, if not well, probably the best player to ever grace this planet. He, he, the, the lad had it all. Um, and same with Maradona. Maradona was a fantastic, absolutely fantastic player. Uh, it's a shame that 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 he handball let him down, but we'll brush over that, shall we? I agree with you with Pele. He was my number one. I mean, his scoring ability, he's played, he played 812 games and I think he scored 757 goals. Just unbelievable over such a long stretch of games. Yeah, um, apparently, including, including friendly matches, he scored over 1,000 goals. If you think about all the exhibition matches that uh, Santos played yeah. with, against teams from Europe, that was a lot of games. Yeah. It's a lot of top teams. He only ever played for one team again. Yeah. It's also one of the criticisms, though, that he never moved to Europe and didn't prove himself at the top level. But I don't, I don't think that's to discredit him too. I much. think that's what the World Cups are for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, look, look he's, he's number two on my list, so I'm not knocking him. He, um, he was incredible, absolutely incredible, legend of the game. I mean, he really upped the stakes, didn't he, with a striker as well? He sort of made it a new breed of striker almost that that can do everything. Um, yeah. His agility was fantastic for quite a smallish player. He scored a few headed goals, and he can do, he could just just do anything really. Yeah. Um, that, he had know, a lot as well. You mentioned his goal scoring record, but he had a lot of assists setting up his teammates. Phenomenal. Team player in all ways, to be honest. Oh, absolutely, a team player. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to my top three, if you like, the reason why Cruyff's in there for me is much like. Chris touched on is that to have not just have a, a move sort of named after you that he I know he didn't invent total football but he sort of what's the word I'm looking for he made it his ethos though didn't he yeah he made it better he took it and he went with it and I, I watched a lot of um, anyone who knows me I, I really like Dennis Bergkamp so I watch a lot of Dutch football yeah. like Dutch international football and I've, I've watched a lot of Cruyff and obviously doing this and doing the research, uh, I found out that he, his nickname was actually um, Pythagoras and Boots. He would, like <laughs> he, he would move into his teammates' positions and he'd drop, he'd drop as deep as like left back just to confuse the opposition. Clever. And when you actually watch him play, that's exactly what he does. He, his perception of the game and watching everyone moving around and he was always one step ahead of his own teammates, let alone the opposition. So that's why I had to put him in my top three. 
in terms of his sort of mental ability in the game, he's probably the best. I mean, basically, he's created sort of um, Ajax now as, as how we know them to be. You know, the, the whole total football, passing the ball around, you know, spreading oh, Barcelona. it around. Tikka Taka. Yeah. That's that, exactly. the roots of that, a total football. Exactly. Um, my number three is, I'll be honest with you, I've not gone with Franz Beckenbauer. I went with mm. uh, Matthias, Luther Matthias. Yeah. Um, <coughs> this guy, obviously, is very similar to Franz Beckenbauer in a lot of ways. I think he's played at like three different positions in his career. I could have sworn I've seen him play in midfield to start off with. Then he went to centre-back. Then he played then the Beckenbauer sort of similar role with sweeper. Yeah. I mean, to get to five World Cups and be, you know, there in the international squad for 20 years is like, it's incredible really, isn't it? You know, 39, 40-year-old playing in the World Cup. Um. He's obviously a World Cup winner um, with over 150 appearances. And like you said, with Beckenbauer, his reading of the game was just fantastic. You always knew that if you got past that that, defensive block that you got him to beat, and he'd be very difficult to beat. That's why I put him at number three. A lot of players have been quoted as saying that he's one of the most difficult opponents that they've had. He was uh, so hard to beat, so competitive, so tough and so strong, such an athlete, uh, but also such a great player. He scored a lot of goals as well from um, midfield positions, a lot of important goals. No, I, I thought about Matthias. He didn't quite make my list, but he was a fantastic player, no doubt about it. To be playing sort of at that high level, you know, 39, 40, I mean, it just shows, obviously, he kept himself in shape well, but... He's obviously, you know, you're reading of the games, 99.9% of the the game, really, and um, he's fantastic at doing it. Yep, good shout, Chris. Right, I've only got one player on my left on my list that we've not talked about yet, and that's my number one pick, Diego Maradona. Who was my joint number one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't on my top ten. Oh, that is controversial. That's very controversial, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of him, though, right? No, no. no. Well, oh, tell okay. me a bit about him. <laughs> no, I'll be honest with you. Um, of course, I was considered it, but like, like, obviously, a bit pettiness as well with what happened with the cheating and probably what he's done off the field. Has probably pushed me away from him. I mean, I did think he was one of mine I was considering, but I just thought because of his off the field antics as well. Is that I why just... no one's mentioned Platini yet as well? That's why I didn't add him in <laughs> either. Of, yeah, I really didn't want to pick Platini. <laughs> That's exactly the reason I didn't pick him. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about on the field as well, you know, as a the full package, then or just on the field, sorry. Um, then he would obviously have to be there because he's he was a fantastic player. I just I just never never forget the time though when he scored that goal in '94, was it? And he just looked like absolutely demented when he scored that goal into the TV. He was poked up, <laughs> yeah, massively. 
<laughs> He's my number one pick. When I when I watch footage of Maradona playing, I feel like there's uh, some force of nature at work where it's like a video game where someone's cheating because he's he's going to win every time and he's going to win so easily and make other players look like children he just comprehensively beat players it, it, he's quite well known for getting the ball in midfield and taking on three or four players every time he gets the ball he was so fast so powerful and so skillful unbelievably skillful his feet were very quick he had Absolute mastery over football. He, the ball could be bouncing away from him, but he's still under, got it under control. Defender can close him down. He just finds a way. Take it round them. Uh, the best Rabona I've ever seen. The number of free kicks that went in off the post. The list just goes on. Unbelievable. It's, it's testament to him that he went to um, Napoli, who at the time were nobodies, really. And he made them one of the best teams in the world. Pretty much single-handedly. Yeah. Yep, and then the 86 World Cup. He won that World Cup for Argentina. Single-handedly. Single-handedly. Unbelievable achievements. Unbelievable. Totally agree. I mean, like you said, his skill skill set was fantastic, really, wasn't it? And then you think, like I just touched on, you think of everything that happened in 86, and then eight years later, after all the controversy that he had and everything, he still managed to get in the Argentina team and got them onto at least some sort of run in the 94 World Cup when really he shouldn't have been allowed to. It just shows what sort of calibre of player he was, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable player. Okay, so that's our top tens. Let's uh, wrap it up with a few honourable mentions, people that didn't quite make the list for one reason or another. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you first this time. Anyone you want to mention? Well, yeah, there's a couple, to be honest. Um, I made, made some changes... And I took out Andrea Perlu, um, yep. obviously Italian international. Just a, a bit, a similar sort of type, you know, defensive sort of slash attacking midfielder maybe. Um, and it, I just found he was a magician on the ball, play facing Milan and uh, Juventus, over 100 caps for, for Italy. And... Um, just controlled the game fantastically. Fantastic pass of the ball, like most Italian players were. Um, I just thought that other players are slightly better than him to get into there. But he was a very tight sort of 11 for 12. Yep. And then finally, the other two I had was um, Bobby Moore. Yep. So Bobby Moore, obviously captain of the 66 World Cup winners. Um, obviously had a lot of other issues out, out of his in his personal life. Um, but as a player, he just seemed like a, a real old-fashioned defender who could um, also pass the ball slightly as well. Um, I think he was probably destined for better things, but other things got in the way as well. Um, and then that leads to my final pick, which would have been George Best. Um, yeah. I think if if other demons didn't get in the way. He probably could have comfortably been there, but I, I just think it was probably in a in a weird way the wrong time for him. He was probably born in this sort of era. Things probably could have been a bit different for him. Um, just a fantastic striker, wasn't he? Just a natural ability. I, you know, he just seemed effortless. 
you know, you see some pictures of him uh, beforehand. I know most people did, but cigars and a couple of pints before, and then there he is banging in five or six goals for Man United. It was uh, 1968 where he won the European Cup final and he won the Ballon d'Or. And if you watch the footage of him playing that season, he was absolutely unstoppable. It was frightening. And that peak was definitely worthy of being mentioned as one of the greatest of all time. But it was such a short peak is the reason why I think it, it wasn't going to make my top 10 footballers of all time list. So I wanted to mention best. And there were a couple of other players who, for similar reasons, I didn't want to include them on the list, but I wanted to give them a mention. One of them was Ronaldinho. At his peak, his prime, he was just absolutely unstoppable. Uh, the, the other one I was going to mention was um, Pavel Nedved, who uh, yeah. won the Ballon d'Or in 2003. Uh, that season, when I watched him play, I just felt like he was the best midfielder in the world. Uh, if you had him in your team, you'd win. He was just unstoppable. The real, a real box-to-box midfielder who could do everything. But he, he didn't maintain that peak throughout his career. If he had done, then I think we'd be having a very different conversation about him. I just wanted to mention those three players who had a, an exceptional peak, but we didn't see it over the course of their career. Anyone else that you wanted to mention, Ant? Um, I'm not going to sort of go through them, but the other names I had were Romario, yep. um, Roberto Baggio, Marco Van Basten, uh, Kenny Dalglish, and... Um, purely because he was kind of a favourite of mine growing up again because of my granddad, Stanley Matthews. Yeah. yeah. Those are the names that came to mind whilst I was doing this. Yep. It's very I, tough, wasn't it? All of them were great players, which is why they came to mind. Yeah, I think I considered most of them as well. Definitely deserve to be in the conversation. Great players. Good good bit of work uh, that you set us there, Dan. <laughs> it was tough, wasn't it? I didn't realise it'd be that tough. I was set. seriously tempted just to put like all of them on the wall and just throw darts and see which ten I got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, three people's opinions of ten the top 10 and there's been how many different players I reckon there's probably been about 20 it just shows doesn't it but that's what makes it interesting players colliding left right and centre Ronaldo thinks he's seen great strength by the Brazilian he's left three players in his wake he's kept his feet this will be a wonderful goal oh it is that is world class absolute genius from the young Brazilian and Bobby Robson, who's seen virtually everything in his time, stands up and applauds. A wonderful goal. Right. So, obviously, coronavirus is affecting football at the minute. We've seen some countries have taken the decision to cancel their football and the leagues will not be completed. We've yet to see a decision in English football. Now, I know that UEFA have made a statement They've urged countries to consider awarding places for European competition next season based on sporting merit. I wanted to throw this one over to Ant first and get your take on that. <laughs> I've been led to believe you've got plenty to say on the matter. The way I understand sporting merit is teams this season that deserve to be in European football next season. Now, obviously, you've got Liverpool. I can't really say Man City because you don't know if they will be in European football next season so I'm, I'm going to exclude Man City because they're banned so you've got Liverpool Leicester I'd say deserve Champions League straight off Chelsea look at and say they've done well considering it's a new young manager and they've got a young team and they're in the top four currently 
And then you're looking at the fourth team and yes, Man United are probably, they are currently in fifth, I believe. Have they had a good season? Personally, I don't think they've had a particularly good season. In my eyes, I think they've had some awful results. I think they've got this shadow of Pogba lurking over them. And I think they're getting better. I think Solskjaer bought well in January and I think that um, Fernandes fellow has made a massive difference to him. I think Sheffield United have had an absolutely phenomenal season given that they've come up from the Championship and they've just maintained that level. They've kept all the clean sheets. They've had, you know, they've, they've had some great results. Wolves have got to be considered because, again, they're, they're a team on the rise. And I think they will challenge the top four before long. But if, if I had to pick a fourth team to go in the Champions League, if Man City weren't allowed to on Sporting Merit, it'll be between Sheffield and Wolves for me. It's a real tough. Really tough one, though, isn't it? I mean, if you look at what Sheffield United have done this year, it's possibly one of the greatest first seasons this this decade of what a newly promoted team has done. It's just, it's just great. I mean, the, the way that they play is refreshing, isn't it? And... And what Wilder has done is got the team working day every game at the same. No one knows the formation they play, but it works. That's it. But it's so, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, I was looking into obviously the Dutch league that was cancelled, so they've null and voided it, which I think personally is just a bit harsh. I mean, obviously, AK and Ajax, I think, were sort of joint on points at the time. Yeah, it's close. Um, yep. The weird thing I I got from that is that obviously there's no relegation, but yet they're going to use the positions for the European places. And in my opinion, you can't sort of pick and choose. I don't know whether the Premier League are sort of playing this game with the other big big leagues like Bundesliga and La Liga, almost like a chicken playing chicken. So as soon as like one of them decides to cancel it, then you probably then see Serie A, and then everyone else probably decided to do the same. But I just don't know. I mean, at the moment, my my personal opinion on this is that you'd have to go on to Ant's favourite thing, <laughs> the sporting merit points, and can't void the se- not void the season, but stop the season and have Liverpool as champions, no relegation, and then maybe Leeds and West Brom go up, and then we have a 22-team premiership next year with five going down. And then economically, it would still balance itself out with the additional two clubs in that league. And then what they could do then with the, the money is then segregate it along the, the, the lower end of um, the other leagues. Because we were talking a lot about the Premier League here, which is obviously what we do. But what about all the other smaller teams, you know, that, you know, your sort of Colchesters and stuff like that? where their revenue is all on attendance. And obviously, even if we do get football, it's 99% going to be on closed doors, isn't it? So they're not going to get that money. And that's where the whole grassroots side comes into it, doesn't it? I mean, how many of these clubs are actually going to survive? Well, there is that. It's a a worrying time for football. Whatever you do, you're going to annoy someone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you, if you null and void the entire English Football League, you're going to anger every Liverpool, yeah. Leeds, Coventry, you name it. Anyone yeah. in a position of promotion or 
titles. If you cancel it as is now, give Liverpool the title, yeah, they're happy. Sheffield United aren't happy, they might miss out on Europe. Villa might go down. Brighton have come out today and said we don't want to play neutral grounds because we've got something like five home games left. It's not it's not fair. Yeah. Look at their away record. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> and at least he did say, well, at least if we if we play at a neutral ground, we might actually win away. <laughs> so if we're not going to be relegated, then um, I'd be all right with playing at neutral grounds. <laughs> I mean, this is the this is it, isn't it? it? If you're looking at the relegation thing, where Villa have got a game in hand, then it's very difficult just to stop the season there and then. Well, I, I think I think if you do stop the season, relegation's off the table. I think that's probably the fairest way. Absolutely. The only problem that brings is obviously we're already potentially at a backlog for next season anyway and having an increased league next year is going to cause even more problems. Especially as we're going to have to cram in the Euros next year. I, I, I reckon what they would probably do if it was an increased league that they probably would just... I'm sure on the table already is to get rid of the like the Coca-Cola Cup or the, the, the old League Cup. The Milk Cup. <laughs> the Rumbelows Cup. <laughs> Whatever denominator it's called. But... But yeah, I mean, that's what I would assume would happen. As it's gone on, um, what are we on now? Week? How long was that? Seven, isn't it? Week seven? There just needs to be a decision. Yeah. We keep putting it back, putting it back. Obviously, France will come out and said, right, league's cancelled, PSG are the winner, job done. We'll worry about legal suits from Lyon and Amens or whatever they're called. The Dutch League come out and said, well, we'll null and void it which is a bit more difficult for them because obviously they've got pretty much a, a tie at the top. Yeah. And they I think this is why... Like, yeah. Pretty much straight away, like, well, well Bruges are the winners. And every country, there just needs to be a, a unilateral decision of either, right, we're going to do this, we're going to stop it now, whoever's top wins, whoever's bottom can stay up, no relegation, or that's it, job done, it's all over. Null and void, start again, which is what yeah, no one I, wants. I agree with that. I agree with the sentiments of that. I think there should be a decision made. And I think uh, looking at the English League, there shouldn't be any relegation. Liverpool should be crowned champions, as far as I'm concerned. That's not even in question. And then the, the, the difficult part is looking at awarding places for European competition. Sporting merit comes in. Well, yeah. And, um, just coming back to that then. The way that I've it has to be objective. So it can't be, oh, I think Sheffield United have done really well given their resources. That That's subjective. It has to be objective, which is basically pointing at current league position. Problem with that is Sheffield United have got a game in hand. <laughs> so we, we can't actually make a decision on that yet. What I think, what I'd like to see happen is a playoff between the three teams. A little, a little mini tournament in the closed season. I think that'd be entertaining and I think that the team has the opportunity to earn the place then. I actually think all three teams we've mentioned probably stand a chance of actually winning it. Um, also, in, in terms of sporting merit, I just wanted to also touch on, um, in Italy, there's been a big uh, argument. Some parties have said that Atalanta, who finished in the top four of Serie A last season, should not have been allowed in the Champions League because their achievement is less than that of Roma, who did not finish in the top four, but they made the semi-finals of the Champions League last season. There's been an argument saying that that's a higher merit of sporting achievement and that 
Roma should have been allowed in the Champions League instead of Atalanta. So that, that might be where this um, phrasing has come from. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't agree with that at all. But UEFA have kind of prepared for this now, haven't they? Because as of 2023, it's going to be based on the last four years of finishing in the top four. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I've not read. I've not read it in detail, but I think the gist of it is that it, it just. It just. You can imagine a scenario where a team comes from nowhere, finishes in the top four, but they're not allowed in the Champions League. I just think that's bad for football. Well, exactly. Imagine if Leicester have a Molester in 2015. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well done. You won the English League, but no, sorry, you can't play European football next year because you nearly got relegated the year before. Yeah, it's not the spirit I mean, of the game. I mean, obviously, UEFA's agenda is to have this Super League anyway, isn't it? This is just their way of just trying to plant, plateau it even more. I think it's the first yeah, step. UEFA saying, well, we can't have all these tin pot teams. No, exactly. But, you know, all these tin pot teams coming in from, you know, one, one season wonders and then in the Champions League. Who's going to want to watch that? If, if, you, if your dream is to win the Champions League, you've got to have an opportunity to achieve that. Exactly. The opportunity. That's that's for me. That's what football's about. It's about dreaming. At the moment, I think football in a whole is a very de- dangerous spiral with regards to to this whole the, the the big countries being so rich and the lower the smaller teams not being so because you always get at some point a team that might upset the apple cart one season like we had with Leicester and like, you know, like you use the Atalanta um, example or in, in Spain, Gatife are consistently performing in the top six. They're a very small Spanish team. And obviously if they say are replacing, just using Gatife as an example, replacing say Atletico Madrid there, where they've got a well-funded team with big name players, then you know, it'd be interesting to see how UEFA would, would take that or whether they would just do that whole, well, you're not, you know, sorry, but you're over the last four years, your score is such and such. So you go down to the next one. And if that next one is Atletico, then it'd be like, well, you're back in. And this is the... Sounds wrong to me. Sounds wrong. Yeah, it, to me it's wrong. So how, how are we finishing then with this coronavirus? Are we all in agreement that it needs to be agreed sooner rather than later? Yeah. Yeah. Um, player safety is obviously paramount, but I think we need to uh, make some grown-up decisions about what, what can and can't happen if we are to continue. Or if we can't continue, what, where that leaves us going into the next season. I think we're, um, we've all spent a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it. We need a decision now. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you think they should just stop it now? Or, Dan, you, you mentioned playoff for the last three, stop stop things as they are, no relegation. But what about you, Anne? Given, taking aside the fact that my team is 25 points clear at the top of the table, um, I think they they need to, they probably just need to stop it and find a way to resolve like, the European spots or not relegate anyone or whatever. I think in terms of the winner, regardless of whether it was Liverpool, whether it was Man United, Tottenham, whoever at the top of the table, 25, was it 20 or points, should take out the games of hands. 
you know, the deserved winners. Anyone who's top of the league this stage, 20 points, deserves to win the league. Yeah. I totally agree with you, mate. If to be honest. they came around and said, no, sorry, you're not having it, I th- I th- that, that would just be ridiculous. And I'd be saying the same if it was Manchester United at the top. Yeah. I totally agree. Liverpool are going to, they should be champions. I, yeah. And also, I think um, with the whole contracts as well, I just think it gets too fiddly. I think. I think that then there needs to be an agreement made with all the big leagues to just stop stop playing or even any intention of playing it, playing football until next season. Shall we move on to Pardew Gate? A lot's happened, mate. A lot's happened. Well, um, cool. I want to congratulate him on. Well, yeah, he's actually done the great escape. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's done the momentous great escape. He secured top flight football <laughs> for Den Haag. He has with with. Eight games in charge as well, bless him. Um, it's been a bit of a crazy couple of days, really, for him, I think. Um, obviously, on the 25th of, of April, which we all mentioned, is all cancelled. The league was cancelled. So, Den Haag are now still in the Premier League, the Dutch version of it. Yeah, well done. Um, out of his eight games in charge, he won one, draw three, lost four. Um, he he did actually get offered a twenty grand bonus for keeping them up, which was which what a great job he did there too. Fantastic job, which he actually rejected. Um, fair play, fair play to him. I mean, there was talks on a serious note that he was actually going to give it to the NHS in in Holland um, for the flight, but I'm not a hundred percent sure whether that was true or. But I know that he he decided to reject it. Then on the 28th, he he's actually left Den Haag by mutual consent. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, Pardew's uh, a free free agent. So yeah, we just have to see what happens where he ends up next. I mean, he with the Newcastle awesome. takeover, could there be a second round there? You know. Oh, Until I love it. Indian League, that's where he'll end up. <laughs> he went to Holland, he came, he saw, he conquered. What's next? He kept them up. So, yeah, so Pardew Gate, it's open. We'll just have to see where he ends up. Um, Chris Powell also left by mutual consent as well. So that's, that's, that's all we've got at the moment on Pardew Gate. So we'll have to see where he ends up. It was always an odd appointment anyway, really, wasn't it? It was, but he kept the team up. He met his... <laughs> Fairy tale ending. <laughs> but fancy if he did take the bonus, though. Oh, that would have been disgraceful. I hope there'll be more more on it. I hope he'll still stay in management. And then we'll, we'll have to go from there. If I have to start following the Indian Premier League, then that, that will have to happen. Or if he ends up in the Belarusian League, that's still going on at the moment. Are we having an um, intermediary gate? You know, someone going to fill in for him on the next podcast? Um. Yeah, yeah, of course. Would you prefer just me sticking with Pardew and just seeing what he's doing? Yeah, or just find someone else to follow for a few months. Yeah, yeah, cool. I do quite like the British managers abroad. Yeah. Oh, um, what we'll do, we'll vote on it. we do a vote on it. All right. I'll get a couple of names out there and we'll see what we can do. to watch the rest of proceedings from up on high in the main stage. Well, Alan, only one place to start, unfortunately. What are you thinking about? 
Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a situation where I shouldn't have been there. You know, I've been involved in a couple of incidents on the line and probably because I'm too near the action. I'll be sitting down from now on and, uh, and quite rightly after that, I apologise to everyone and I shouldn't have got involved in it really. Right, are you both ready for a little quiz? Yeah. Yeah, go on then, mate. Okay. I've got seven questions. You've got to name the player. I'll read out the list of clubs that they played for in chronological order. The fingers on the buzzers. You ready? Okay. Okay, first one. Southampton, Arsenal, Liverpool. Outside Chamberlain. Correct. Didn't say fingers on the buzzers, Ant. I know, so I was going to Walcott for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second one. Tottenham, Arsenal, Portsmouth, Notts County. Phil Campbell. Yep. Shout. Okay, 1-1. One, one. Third question. Tenerife. Newcastle. Who is? Yep. Well done, Chris. Bloody hell. You got that just from wow. Tenerife? <laughs> Give us a guess. Educated. All right. Fourth one. Valor. PSV. KR Reykjavik. Bolton. Chelsea. Ida Gujonsa. Yep. You can do it. I was just about to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 3-1. Come on, Ant. Oh, no, no, no. It's late. <laughs> late surge. <laughs> right, fifth question. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this one right, but uh, VA Bold Club. <laughs> Hamburg. Everton. Real Madrid. Thomas Graveson. Well done, Chris. Good. On fire. Well Chris. And what's going on? manager again. Fellow <laughs> <laughs> Boldy, mate. You can't go, go wrong with that. All right, it's 4-1. You're playing for pride now, aren't you? No. <laughs> All right, number six. Independiente. Man United. Villarreal. Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, Diego Forlan, well done, Chris. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you got one though, didn't you? I've got one more, and let's see if you can get the last one. And I'll say this: fingers on the buzzers for this one. <laughs> Bayern Munich. Man United, Man City. Um, God. Oh my God. Oh, this science is getting embarrassing now. Do you want a clue? Yeah. Uh, even though he started at Bayern Munich, he was English. Hargreaves. Yep. Yeah! <laughs> what an answer. Five two. <laughs> Five two. Oh. Okay. Shall I just go through the socials? Now we've got some socials up, our email addresses and stuff. Go for it. 
any any comments to be sent to our email address, which we've got is var at the bar twenty twenty at gmail.com. We've also got a Facebook page, var at the bar, funny enough. And our Twitter page is at var at the bar one. So if you've got any comments and please put them on that. Very good. Okay, I think that wraps it up. So um hope everyone's enjoyed the episode. I know I did. Um, it was as painful as it was putting those lists together for the greatest players of all the time. It's been, it's been good fun. Yeah. Cheers, guys, for coming. Chris, next time. Oh, it'd be me. Yes, back to me. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. All right. Thanks to everyone else. Goodbye. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.